welcome to the Deeper Dive podcast. Each week we take a deeper look at the text we covered in worship on Sunday. We do that by discussing things like historical settings and literary context, the way others before us have read the text, and our reflective approach to reading that same text. This podcast is part of Calvary's Daily Connections, so we hope you check that out through Calvary's app or by going to connectwithcalvary.org. Well, today on the podcast, following up on uh, this kind of march through Acts here, we're in the next chapter and talking about transformation still and looking at examples of that and all kinds of things so thank uh randy why don't you start because you had some things uh, i was in a previous meeting and you have some things uh that that uh, related to the scripture that you put down so why don't you get started well um, there? i just uh i had some reflections um about uh this um, meeting with peter and john before the uh the council yeah. um and that council was as stacked against them as it was against Jesus. Oh, sure. And um, not sure exactly. I, I would. My guess is that some of the members of the council had changed, but the basic makeup of that council was um, uh, Pharisees, Sadducees, and uh, a group they called elders, which were basically laypersons, but they were of the. Uh, of the Jewish aristocracy, um, and then you had uh, at least one or two chief priests in there, uh, and so this would have looked like the same group that uh, um, went after Jesus and really were instrumental in his crucifixion. It really wasn't that much longer. So, no, I mean after, so of course it would be the same group. Uh, and so, but it was interesting how they approached this differently. Um, and then I was reading later on in Acts when they would, uh, because they went back before them again, uh, uh, and uh, one of the brothers said, you know, uh, they were looking for a way to kill him at that point in time. Uh, and they said, if you do this, get, if, it's, if it's real, if it's of God, uh, it'll, it'll take hold and stay, and if it's not, it'll go away. Um, but this meeting before the Sanhedrin really opened up the doors for Peter to further share the gospel mm-hmm. uh, in several different ways. Um, and I just, uh, for one thing, I, I'm always, I'm, I'm always, um, the word fascinated is not, is not a good word, but I'm always fascinated at the transition, the transformation in Peter between when he denied Jesus three times yeah. and here in this point where he's ready to go to jail. Mm-hmm. Uh, Almost, I don't know that he tried to get himself arrested in jail. No, but he but was he bold, and he certainly knew what was didn't do happen. anything not to get arrested and right. and be in jail. Certainly did not get do anything not to end up before the Sanhedrin right. uh, court, which is what he was. I, I think I probably would have been the same boat scared of before. And I think it goes back to the difference, the transformation that happened in Peter goes back to Acts chapter 1, verse 8, where it says they were filled with power. They were endued with power. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. And in that filling of the Holy Spirit and that endowing with power changed Peter from somebody who was scared uh, to somebody who was bold. Well, you add that to the fact that um, he was horribly um – uh, upset about what he had done right after he had done it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he experienced the crucifixion of Jesus and then the resurrection of Jesus and the forgiveness of Jesus. Mm-hmm. 
And, you know, once you have messed up like that and not stood up for somebody or something, um, you don't want to do that again. You mm-hmm. are even more bold and add that to being filled with the Holy Spirit. And you've got, you've got a force on your hands there. The Sanhedrin was really focused in on the healing and whose. It was really on whose name it was in. Whose name the healing was done. The in. healing wasn't a big deal. It was in. Whose but name. it it's interesting. Uh, and again, I'm not a, a. After four or five years of Greek, I'm not a Greek scholar. All right, I know enough to be dangerous probably. But the Greek word here is sozo. And it means not only a, a physical sort of healing, but a spiritual sort of healing. And it's tied in with the word salvation. Mm-hmm. And so the harder they pushed uh, Peter on the healing and whose name or authority he did that in, it opened wide the door for him to talk about salvation. Um, and he was speaking to the leaders of the church. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was speaking to those upon who the church depended to lead them, at least in theory, to God. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of them, the high priest, inter- they were the ones that were interceding to God. Uh, and um, uh, he, didn't, he didn't mince words, um, but he really called them out not just about in whose name there was a healing, but he called them out about how, you, how you're saved. Mm-hmm. How you come into relationship with God, he called. He he was actually call, and they understood this. I believe he was calling into uh, accountability everything they did uh, in terms of having a relationship with God. All of the rules they were to follow. I mean, the, he was standing before a group of Sadducees, and I think that was the biggest part of the elders group, the layperson's group, were Sadducees who denied resurrection. Um, Pharisees didn't necessarily deny resurrection, but both groups were extremely conservative, extremely literalistic. And so their approach to trusting God, having faith in God, having a relationship with God, having something was so tied up in the minutest of details of rules and Jesus pretty much broke all of those, set those aside. He says, I didn't, I came to fulfill the scripture of what it really means. Um, and so this, this transformation, as we're using this word here, uh, was just really interesting. And if you pick it up, a, um, I think it's a chapter later where they got rearrested. Once yeah. again, they got released from prison. Uh, they went right out and preached even longer and harder mm-hmm. and were more fruitful in that, got arrested again. Mm-hmm. Um, at least one person in that group uh, was not so smitten with hatred and vengeance and fear, uh, but at least in some measure of wisdom was able to say, now, if this really is of God, we better not mess with it. But if it's not a God, if it's not of God, it'll eventually just go away mm-hmm. like other mm-hmm. groups have done. Uh, and, and I just, uh, I, uh, of course, uh, you said it, I've said it, I don't know how many times I'd love to be a part of an experience uh, where somebody spoke the word so clearly and that many people came to Christ. Now, I know that's numbers. Folks get uptight about that, but... Numbers uh, the, represent souls. The, uh, it, they do, and they were recorded. 
the numbers of folks that were there whose uh, lives were given uh, to Christ. And so um, that was just, uh, as I was doing some, some reading and thinking, I, uh, those two things of wholeness and salvation are so closely tied together, and Peter's really clear it's all done in the name of Jesus. Um, and then, of course, I, I, it may have been overcome by honesty, or it may have been just a wonderful chance to put a little dig in there. He says, whom you crucified, <laughs> this Jesus. This man was healed in the name of Jesus, uh, and we are saved in the name. And he was really clear about that salvation as well in the name of Jesus. Um, and the fact that these leaders of the church rejected the chief cornerstone of, uh, of the faith, which who is Jesus. Um, but equally interesting is the fact that um, I'm, I'm not sure what happened. And my guess is, is what happened was after his resurrection and after the, uh, the Holy Spirit came and after the, some of the miracles were happening that were happening, uh, this group suddenly was, was fearful of the people. And so they let him go without a warning. You know, how many weeks earlier, and I don't know how many weeks, a month or two earlier, whatever it was, they, um, they had felt so bold as so as to crucify him. But now they're scared of two of, uh, of two of his disciples to even punish them. So they gave them simply a warning, a warning the first time, and then they flogged the heck out of them the second time. Mm-hmm. But I, I just found that interesting uh, in terms of the whole – this whole thing is a process, uh, just like our faith journey is a process. It's a journey. It, it's a continuing journey. Uh, I love Wesley's terms when he talks about going on to salvation. Something could happen in an instantaneous moment, but going on to salvation, into full salvation, or uh, we, we don't going have time to perfection. To, yeah, not, we don't have time going, to chase that rabbit this morning. <laughs> we're not necessarily but, going on to perfect to salvation. We're yeah, going on well, to perfection. You know, the scripture talks about sanctification, and of course, then Wesley got off on his little tangent of entire sanctification. So, uh, but anyway, that that process of going on to being in deep relationship with God uh, is, is just that. It's a process. Um, I was thinking March is the month when. Um, Oh, in your mercy, Lord. Uh, Fifty-some years ago, I accepted Christ. Uh, and uh, so I always reflect of, of, uh, because I, I can pinpoint that. Although the th- previous 13 years, I was in the process of that, mm-hmm. of understanding what that meant to have Jesus as Lord and Savior. Um, and so this whole journey that the disciples, the apostles, um, I'm going to talk next week about Philip. Some of the others, there was about 120 gathered there that they're on is just a lifelong process of, of letting him change us. But if we just – what I was trying to get to yesterday was if we just let him change us and we spend all of our time looking inward – and don't uh, look around us at how we can uh, be a part of the issues in the world, then we are just as bad as the Pharisees. Um, Because we, I mean, as you were explaining that, um, I was thinking the exact same thing is happening today. 
people are looking at the details of the law and not at the bigger picture. And I think that if Jesus were to come back today, he would say to every single one of us, not just some of us, every single one of us, how did you get it so wrong? Um, And yet, we don't have anything else to go on, and so we're going to pray about the direction that we're going, pray about the direction we're going. Um, But, you know, this whole series is about how the resurrection transformed the world. Um, We talk a whole lot about how the resurrection transforms us as individuals. But if Peter and John had not gotten up in front of people and... um, and not just preached, they also developed relationships with other people, with people they weren't supposed to develop relationships with. Uh, uh, Peter um, um, talked to and, and reached out to, touched the lame man. Um, who are we unwilling to reach out to and touch because uh, it's um, sinful or because it's, um, I, don't, I don't know what else. Um, you know, um, what is it that we can can do in Bloomington Normal to transform the world? To we spend way too much time. Um, I have to be careful about how I say this. Um, we spend way too much time looking in the mirror, and maybe not really seeing anything rather than walking out our front doors and across town. See, I think outward trans- transformation happens because there's inward transformation. Yeah, but I think we I think we can get into the problem of um, staying with that inward transformation and and then saying, feeling pretty good about ourselves because we are reading scripture and we're praying but we're not reaching out to our neighbor, and and I, and we're if we're not reaching out to our neighbor, then that inward transformation isn't really transformation. If we can look around us and go, oh, I don't care if those people are homeless, I don't care if black people are being discriminated against, uh, somebody else will take care of that. If we as Christians don't take care of that. If we don't do something about it, then can we call ourselves Christians? Um, Jesus said, I mean, Jesus said, you know, who is it around you? Uh, the Samaritan woman, um, the poor, the, um, I mean, who are these people and why aren't you doing anything about it? Um, yeah, well, you know, the the Pharisees and the Sadducees come out of a uh a time in Israel's history, right when, uh, so they come back from, so they they basically got their butts kicked, yeah, and they they can come back to um, Jerusalem, and so Ezra sets up this kind of strict kind of circles the wagons, right. you know, Nehemiah, Ezra, um, those two books are really about um, Israel coming back and kind of becoming a protectionist kind of a culture. They, mm-hmm. they draw it in really mm-hmm. close and tight and say the reason that we got uh, our behinds handed to us is because we didn't follow these things. Right. We didn't, we didn't keep it, we didn't keep it close. 
And so that's what they start to do. And by the time you get to the first century, you have a culture that, uh, that defines whether you're doing okay with God by how tightly you're keeping uh, things toward the center, how tight mm-hmm. the circle is. Are we all inside of this? And so you have all these different kinds of systems and checks to say, am I, am I doing this right? Am I doing this right? And uh, Jesus, instead of contracting that circle even tighter, says, no, 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 the circle should be wider mm-hmm. all the time. In fact, there's no real edge to this thing mm-hmm. to begin with. And so the the story of Acts is the story of this widening circle that keeps getting larger and larger and larger. And the difference between us and them eventually just disappears. So it's right. not even about how are you reaching out to your neighbor, but how are you and your neighbor all on <laughs> the same <laughs> mm-hmm. kind of uh, experience with Jesus here. Like, how is this, you know what I'm saying? It doesn't become a, what can we do even for them? Like that becomes a, an us and them thing. It, it becomes a, uh, this circle extends past even what we would consider our own righteousness into this ever expanding um, kind of sensibility of the gospel. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, Acts is great, I think, for showing that again and again and again. Uh, every time, every time uh, people think, well, certainly it's not for this group of people, right? Then they're like, no, they're already in. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, yeah. the Holy Spirit's already. Well, I see you have the Holy Spirit already. Well, I, what a surprise! <laughs> how did that happen? Yeah. You know, we were supposed to tell you about that. Well, I guess yeah. you didn't. <laughs> you know what so I mean? How so, is that? so there's a there's a. It, it's almost a subtle, I think, shift that's being made in in Acts where. Um, it, it, to really undo that whole, like, we've got the goods and we're going to tell it to you, uh, to go, yes, we're telling you, but in the same moment, we're recognizing that this was always for you to mm-hmm. begin with, and that uh, you've got some things even that we don't have yet, mm-hmm. and uh, we've missed that. You know? I'm working on uh, this Sunday uh, and talking about Philip. Uh, Jesus in Matthew 28 said, uh, no, it wasn't an axe. It was talking about going to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, 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 and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Um, and uh, I think that um, our, our relationship with Christ then leads to a natural overflow or outflow. Uh, and the early church was was uh, especially one of the things that's interesting is that none of us think that persecution is a good thing, and I really think persecution of that early church really blew the doors out of sharing faith, because Philip, who was one, and that's who I'm going to talk about Sunday. Philip was one who was assigned administratively to take care of the Hellenistic widows or the Hellenistic Jews. Uh, once, once that persecution got so intense in Jerusalem, he went to Samaria and became known as Philip the Evangelist. And from there, he was evangelizing the Samaritans, which was way beyond the realm of... And then, and I, and I go back to this connection here, the uttermost parts of the earth, this Ethiopian eunuch was so far south that they certainly would have been considered uttermost parts. And then God leads him specifically to this person, begins to share faith with him. And it says the eunuch went on his way rejoicing and praising God. Um, and so uh, I, I, it's, it's never an either or. It's always a both and. 
the inward growth, if it doesn't lead to something happen uh, in terms of fruitfulness, then we need to, to check on what we're, how we're growing on the inside because that's the fruit of what we're called to live out, I think. It's compelling typing. It is. I'm trying to <laughs> communicate with somebody else who has ideas on this, and I'm trying to figure out how to look them up in here because um, I guess... Um, yeah, I'm not sure how to lift it up in here. So um, I, I want to just twitch, switch gears entirely um, to some things that I didn't get to yesterday. Um, I found, I, I used that illustration from the moth. Did you find that, uh, Isaac? I forgot to ask you if you put that in. It will be out today. But okay, I'm awesome. Verify okay, I've got. That I've got the right one. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Man, that's. And and if you were in worship yesterday, um, please listen to the actual podcast because I didn't do it justice. It was an incredible story, um, um, and it's it's much better when you can hear the whole thing instead of it summarized by me. But um, because of that. Um, I didn't do a lot that was in my sermon, and um, uh, actually, at different services, I, I did different things. So, uh, please forgive me if uh, I said this in your service and I'm saying it again, okay? Um, I want to give you some practical examples of um, um how we can, Randy and I may come at this this from a little different perspective, but how we can transform the world. Because being in the, um, I'm the pastor that deals with outreach at Calvary. And um, last last summer or the summer before, last summer, I think, I don't know by now, um, I did a um, kind of informal um, community needs assessment. Obviously, as a uh, as a, just a pastor at Calvary, I don't have um, my hands in all of the, the community needs, but I just uh, met with and called several people in the community because I thought, man, you know, this continues to, to wear at me. How can um, a community like Bloomington Normal that is so affluent, um, and in some cases, um, way affluent, um, there's a better word than way affluent, but um, how can we better serve the needs um, of, of those who um, are in need in town? I, that's, I just didn't say that well at all. Anyway, how can we serve the needs of those around us? Um, and I felt like there are so many churches in Bloomington Normal. Um, what is it that we can do um, to um, to make a difference in this community and to make an impact um, so that people, as they look at us, say, that's what Jesus is about? Because if we just go around preaching Jesus, but we don't feed people, nobody's going to listen to us because we're, we don't have a witness if that's if if we are it has to be both and john wesley said um you have to have both evangelism and and uh and social outreach or uh 
or you're not going to, he, he talks about either he or somebody else talked about rowing a boat. And you're going to, if you just have evangelism, and, and I know that that's a bad word in today's culture, but um, meaning sharing Christ, you're going to go around a circle. If you're not meeting the needs of the people, um, you're going to go around a circle. On the other hand, if you just meet the needs of the people and you don't talk about Christ, anybody can do that. Bill Gates does that. Um, and uh, he doesn't proclaim to be a Christian as far as I know. Anyway, he's not doing it in the name of Christ. So we have to have both oars in. Um, and my default is to talk about my relationship with Christ and your relationship with Christ and how you can deepen your relationship with Christ, and it's all about that. My default is not to serve the community, and I'm just admitting that. Um, I was pushed further into that um, um, desire to serve the community when I came to Calvary, and my responsibility was outreach, because that was not my strength. Um, But that was part of my job. And so I had to learn what that meant. And now I just, I can't see one without the other. And I think, I mean, we are Christians here. What is it that we can make an impact on? And so as um, Calvary changed her, um, um, her, uh, the way in which we tithe, um, that meant that there was more money going to outside ministries. And I didn't want us to just throw money at things. Um, outreach has been trying for the last many years to to be very intentional about what we do so that it, make it makes a difference in the community. So I, I looked, I, I talked to people from many, many agencies, and, and I said, what are the biggest needs in Bloomington Normal? And we are trying to to um, meet those in some ways, but in some of the other ways, um, it's housing. We do not have affordable housing, and we know that. Randy and I know that because we have five people living with us that don't have housing, and so they're living with us. Um, I mean, seriously, we are looking for something that they can afford, and these are people that are working, and they can't afford. Yeah. So is there somebody out there at Calvary who sees your mission, and I know we have some already, who see their mission as helping Bloomington Normal, not yourself, because you can't do everything yourselves, but helping Bloomington Normal come up with a better way to um, uh, to have affordable housing? We can't do that. I mean, Calvary can't. I shouldn't say we can't. I don't know how Calvary can provide that. Um, but people who work in the field might be able to. You mean there's not a switch to flip for affordable housing? I wish That's... there was. I wish there was. And But I mean, I just don't, I don't know yeah. why Bloomington Normal is so, um, uh, so off the scale in that area. Now, it is true that across the country, nobody can, um, I mean, Nobody's a big word. Um, if you work a minimum wage job, you can't work 40 hours a week and get anywhere to live, an apartment, a hut. A, you can live in a box, um, but that's about it. And uh, so, that I mean, that's an issue across the country, that, and that is not my opinion. That is um, from Home Sweet Home, their uh, statistics, and they do this for a living. Um, so affordable housing is a huge one. Child care is a huge one. Is there anyone out there who um, could just take in a couple kids? Um, I don't mean adopt them. <laughs> I mean, 
do childcare or or help us come up with something. I know that I'm throwing some stuff out there that's big stuff, but that is what I found, um, and I was pretty depressed about that because it's not something that we can fix easily. And community agencies in town are working on that, yeah. and they can't fix it. Yeah. But we can certainly pray about it, and one person at a time. I mean, we have a lot of people in churches in Bloomington Normal, mm-hmm. a lot of people. And what if we all <laughs> did one thing? Couldn't we see a transformation if we all did one thing? And so that's what I was asking for yesterday in worship, is for all of us to do one thing. Um, and it doesn't have to be as drastic as um, um, you know, renting to somebody who uh, may not be able to um, pay their first month's rent or something. I, mean, I don't know. Um, and I'm not asking you to rent to somebody who can never pay rent. That, that would be a little ridiculous. Um, or to um, um, give somebody a job who is never going to come to work. But can we all do one thing? <laughs> Um, racism is still a huge issue. And if we as Christians, and we've seen issues of racism in our own church, if we as Christians can't love people who are different from us, then why would anybody want to be a Christian? Our, Our witness gets buried and, and invalidated if we can't live it out. Uh, so, you know, those are just some things. What can you do? And, and I challenged folks on that yesterday. Um, how can we be vessels of transformation? I don't know how I'm going to do it. And that's what I was uh, uh, texting with this person um, earlier saying, um, um, you know, what what ideas do you have? And and this person is a, is a person that's not a Christian, but knows about the church, grew up in the church, and and um, one of the reasons he left it was that church members were mean. And um, he said, you know, what about going to some of these marches around? And some of you may say, Debbie, you're getting way too far out there. Um, and, and, and I don't mean, um, you know, a, a, a march to uh, uh, – I don't know what I mean to, I don't mean anything radical here, but I would think in the 50th year of Martin Luther King, uh, his assassination, there will be some some marches um, or some activities or something to commemorate that. Go to those. Um, several of our Calvary folks were involved yesterday in a concert for Habitat. Um, man, get involved in Habitat. You know, we we give all kinds of opportunities uh, every Sunday to get involved in the community, um, and and I have to tell you that I am really guilty of giving you opportunities and not getting involved myself. Um, uh, I've never built on a habitat house, um, um, but that's kind of what I'm saying. How can and, and even if it's just uh, recognizing. Uh, someone at the grocery store and saying, I hope your day goes great. Um, you know, just that kind of stuff. So I know we're out of time, but um, I'm, that's just what I'm asking you to think about. So and let us know what you're doing, okay? It doesn't have to be huge. Not at mm-hmm. all. Um, just little things. Yeah. You know, these problems are large systemic problems. They are. And so they seem very... Um, 
insurmountable, mm-hmm. quite honestly. But um, you know, <laughs> we are in a spiritual tradition of um, subversiveness. I mean, to be quite honest, mm-hmm. I mean the mm-hmm. largest empire in the history of the world up to that point um, was basically undone and overthrown by a group of 12 yes, absolutely to, 70, it was. to 70 people over the course of several hundred years. And that's, that's unthinkable. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jesus said, you'll do more than I did. That's so, right. So, you know, I mean, there's, it's not, it's, it's possible and it might not happen in the way that we think it will. And I think that's, uh, you know, I think it's, a, I think it's great to say, what can you do? I think that's mm-hmm. the only question that's, mm-hmm. you know, really valid is what you are know, you it, able to do? It yeah. took yeah. one woman to say, this coach did this to me mm-hmm. for other women. Yep. To come out and say, me too. Right. Yeah. And I yeah. hope that men will, I hope that the Me Too gen, uh, movement will also recognize that men are also victims. Uh, it doesn't say Me Too as a woman. Um, what about men too? So it only took one to start that. And she didn't mean to start a movement. She just told the truth. Right. So yep. you can do it, folks. All right. Well. Our time is up. I mean, not we our time. We're not going to we, die right now. No, we might. No, <laughs> we might. And, and we, we always could. Always possibility. <laughs> <laughs> but I think we're still still breathing here, so that's good. So far, uh, if you want to uh, get uh, in contact and continue the conversation, we always love to do that. Uh, Facebook, email, all those things. And uh, next week, we'll be back uh, with a deeper dive uh, into what Randy has already kind of hinted at here, uh, Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. uh, Fascinating uh, text in Acts. So until then, grace and peace. Mm -hmm.